Oh, I'm, I'm so tired. Um, and I know I say this a lot, but I'm angry that I'm tired this time because okay. in previous weeks, it's been because I had to wake up in the morning early and I didn't sleep because I was stressed out about that, blah, 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 all of those ones. I had no excuse for sleeping poorly last night. I just couldn't get to sleep. Uh, I was re- I was angry as anything, and I'm angry still because I'm still tired from it. How are you? Yeah, good. I've uh, had a week off, which was great. Uh, myself and Graham went up to Kincraig, and was that an attempt at a week off? Maybe. Oh, can I say? Uh, we went up to Kincraig. <laughs> and to be fair, as soon as I said it, I did think, "Huh, that sounded a bit like week, well, like week off." <laughs> so um, we, you know, great minds think alike. But we went up to Kincraig and uh, we camped for a night. You're very fitting. And let me tell you, listeners, if only I had checked our Twitter mentions before we left. Maybe it would have been more successful. Oh, no. So I uh, I mentioned this on the show last time. Yes. I talked about the fact that we were doing it, but we were kind of unsure as to what we were doing. Right. So I think, uh, well, I know, for example, that uh, Murray and his uh, lovely wife, oh. who is my best friend, called Katerina, uh, heard the show and and said, hey, we've got loads of really helpful stuff that we can give you. Oh. So here, for example, is a freezer box where you just wow. put all your cold stuff in. It'll keep it cold for 36 hours. Yeah. Also, here's like a really handy light bulb torch thing that you just press and it comes on. It will light for... A lantern? A lantern, yeah, but it was really small and, and colourful and helpful. Nice. Here's some smidge. Here's some wipes. Here's blah, blah, blah. Loads of stuff that I was like, man, I, I had no idea about any of this stuff. Okay. And then we had uh, Emel, who, who tweeted at Seesaw Parade, which you also can do, dear listener, to uh, to say, go to sleep wearing a cosy hat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which, again, did not know because I woke up oh. at 5 a.m. with freezing ears and with, like, wet hair because it was it was so cold out and the dew was, had clearly just got through the tent and I was uh, cold and wet. And I thought, if only I had a hat. Oh dear! And then the other issue we had was on Loch Morlick, in uh, it's just outside Av- Aviemore, beautiful part right. of the world. Yes, there are signs almost everywhere mm-hmm. that say no fires, right? Unless you've got a gas stove. Yeah, like a yeah, yeah, like a camping stove. Whereas I was thinking. Because the, the the plan we had in mind was we'd go down, we'd sit by the beach, we'd be in the sand, and we'd make a little fire in the sand, right? And then cover the sand, put the sand on the top of the fire, and everything would be fine. Well, then okay. we're seeing these signs. We're like, oh man, we 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 can't. Or should we do this? Are we allowed to do this? Yeah. If we light a barbecue for for five minutes and then it goes to embers, is that allowed? And there were so many things that we uh, we just didn't think of, including how to start a fire, which oh, no. uh, Izzy then also tweeted at Cease Operate to say cotton balls rubbed yeah. with. Vaseline. Yeah. Which is not a sentence I expected to read, I'll be honest. Or like remelted candle wax with cotton balls and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And also, uh, Izzy was recommending some smidge. Yeah. And uh, she she also said it's tick season, so I'd rather you guys didn't get Lyme's disease. Ugh, as man. far as I know, I was only bitten by midges, so we're fine. You had so many opportunities to learn, but there is one that predated all of those. It's every time I recommended the... Uh, the laid-back camp anime. You could have learned so many things from that camping group. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, like, it did go well-ish. You enjoyed it? I'm not sure enjoyed is the right word. <laughs> Survived? <laughs> you yes. experienced it? Uh, the thing is, like, both of us knew it was, you know, it was one night for a reason, because it was new for both of us. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew the, you know, what we like is, like, comfort, 
nice shower, nice place. Yes. That's that's that suits me down to the ground. But you know, camping out by the stars or the wee fire and some food, that sounds lovely. But of course you forget about the fact that you have a, a two man tent, which is a total lie. It's not even close to a two man tent. Then you have the sand that gets everywhere, you have the, the midges, the flies, the fact that the mm-hmm. barbecue just didn't quite work the way we wanted it to. Right. <laughs> All right. these little things and you forget how much stuff you need yes. to do like wild camping and it becomes just like a Airbnb except outside. So we would do it again, but we'd have to bring even more stuff. Less lessons learned is is what we're saying. Certainly. But, you know, Bear Grylls, we certainly aren't. And he would be looking at our, our wild camping and, and laughing as he camps himself up for the night under the roots of an overgrown tree. Or in a camel. Or in a camel. After he's uh, yeah. he's drank his own filtered urine. Yeah. Which, uh, no, we had we stayed with the alcohol for, for one night. Well done to you all the same, I think. Achievement complete. You've done the one night. You can try again for another night with more success in the future. And then maybe someday you can go for like two nights. And I'm sure you'll love it by the third time. I, I know we've talked about it um <laughs> before about kind of trips away and and what we like and what what you would do but i've certainly come to realize that i am not someone who who likes the kind of grubby dirty side of of life generally right so for example when i went to the states in 2017 was recommended by our cousin ruth to to go and stay in hostels and i went to the the hostel on the first night and within literally 10 seconds i i picked up my bags and said no i can't do this i went back out to the car because there were 18 people in three rooms and two of the toilets were blocked. Yeah. And instead, I, I was like, no, I can't. Yeah. I will I will bankrupt myself on this credit card if it means staying somewhere that doesn't smell of sweat, yeah. opioids, yes. and sadness. No, I, I'm on team comfort over affordability when it comes to traveling, which is why I just don't, because I can't afford it anyway. <laughs> And also the things that just you don't think about when you camp, like being awoken by the sounds of a bird's mating calls at three in the morning. I mean, you can do that if you listen hard enough in the city. It like the birds are everywhere calling. Right, yeah, yeah, but you've got you know several layers of brick and and glass. Uh, some, like uh, two two layers of glass, maybe if you're fortunate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, fair enough, but but also you've got so much other background noise in the city yeah. that you're not going to get herons hollering for their hole. Yeah, it's, it's not the 3am bird mating calls, it's the 3am truck boop, booping its horn at someone. Tell you what though, Transmit was in Glasgow at the weekend. Did you, did oh, you yeah. catch or hear any of that across the city? No. <laughs> okay, neither did I. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'm just like too far away. I hear the occasional thing sometimes, but this one, nothing. Um, and it's one that I wouldn't attend either. Going to throw that out there. Transmit, not for me. Why? Um, well, I've seen, um, you know, videos of the performances and stuff like that. Not, they're, they're not inspiring. I've seen the lineups and they're often not inspiring. Um, and well, it, 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 it just feels a little bit too, too much. Okay. I think there's just too many people in a small place. It's not a big. It's not a big green, as, as far as I care. I've been there a few times. It's not ginormous. It's a bit yellow as well. Yeah. So yeah. Glasgow yellow. The Glasgow yellow, indeed. It's not huge, so I'd prefer <laughs> to have a bit somewhere with a bit more space and you know slightly better music. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, you're 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 kind of nicely segueing us into the the show. So let's let's do that now. Welcome to Seesaw Parade, everyone. Episode two hundred and sixty-three. My goodness, unbelievable. I'm Colin, and he's James. Unbelievable. And hi to everyone from Fourth Valley College who might be listening to this. Wow. Speaking to them next week. Right, welcome back, or welcome New Year, same year, different year. I, I think it's a different year. I mean, there might be some who are coming back for more. So in that case, welcome back again for the for the one week you listen to and then disappear and create your own beautiful podcasts. You better create your own beautiful podcasts. <laughs> yeah, better. Imagine not having a podcast in this day and age. I know. Everyone's got one. If you don't, you suck. This is Scotland's longest running season one of any yep. entertainment slash news slash sports slash politics podcast in existence. It's also your new favourite podcast and statistically less popular than fascism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also less popular than, than, than hamburgers. Sorry, what? Also less popular than hamburgers. Oh, that, oh, that's true. Yeah. I'm very sad. I'm thinking I'll just like try and diversify the tags a wee bit every now and then. Add a new thing we're less popular than. That's actually way better. Less popular than hamburgers. I like the, I like the fascism one. I think we should stick with it because it calls the world out <laughs> a lot. And I'll add the flavour. Okay. In some cases, lack thereof. A distinct lack thereof. Yeah. But uh, yeah, hey-ho. Welcome to Seesaw Parade. Tasty meat between your buns. Whoa. uh, That is what we are here to serve. Yeah. And you can get in touch with the show at Or vegan alternatives. At Seesaw Parade on Twitter. I nearly maintained it the whole way through. And uh, you can also write to us with longer form prose or even, as you'll hear later in the show, reviews of things you have seen or consumed or listened to. Seesawparade at gmail.com. We will be delighted to read anything out that you send to us or even better, an audio thing that we can play. We can. I love that. And live react. Indeed. We, we do have a, a chunky show here, so let's crack on, James. We're going to talk about something... 20 minutes in. Let's get going. <laughs> Indeed. We're going to talk about something which I believe is a first for the show. National insurance. Wait. What a way to kick off the show. I, I think I talked about this last week. I think, I'll be honest, I think it was a passing mention. Now it's front and centre. Yes, we mentioned that they were planning the poor people tax. Now it is headline news. This is the story that MPs in the UK have voted for a 1.25 percentage point rise in national insurance. And this means that uh, health and social care in England is going to be funded properly, says Boris. Uh, This raise, which uh, does also break a Conservative manifesto pledge, looks like it will raise £12 billion a year. And uh, the Prime Minister said... It's like taxing two corporations properly. I know, right? The Prime Minister said that his plan would deal with the catastrophic costs faced by those who need care. Uh, James, before we talk about uh, the opposition to this and all the other terrible things that make this a bad idea, just give me your initial thoughts as to this announcement and the fact that this has now passed. It is coming into force as of April. Well, interestingly to me, it seems like they haven't gotten away with it for a change. Now, I think in the end they will get away with it, but for now there has been a, a little bit of backlash on this 
um, combined with the removal of the pension triple lock, wherein they kind of are hurting everybody a little bit, but primarily the middle class in this instance, um, who, you know, the middle class has means, but the middle class also consists of students who are already forking out more than 50% of their wages into just basic living expenses like rent and the rest of the taxes. So yep, yep. overall, they are trying very hard to get money out of the pockets of people who support them the least. And this being like the young and the middle class and all of those. I'm seeing this branded as a poor people tax a lot. And I say the same. Um, but really what it is, is it's a tax on the poorest taxpayers. Right. Because you have to be paying tax Correct. to pay this tax. And they are just trying to keep the pockets of their rich friends and all the uh, wealthy retirees and all of those people who just solidly vote for them and also donate heavily to the party free from any further uh, picking. And instead, they'll pick everybody else's pockets. Um, and it, this kind of tax is something I hate because it isn't progressive. And I think all taxes should be progressive. Mm-hmm. It isn't even flat. It isn't, it isn't even fair. Now, it, on well, paper... Well, just, I, just, sorry, just on that point there, just to give uh, the listeners the facts of the matter here, anybody who is earning between £9,500 and just over £50,000 yeah. will pay 12%, or currently, sorry, is paying 12% national insurance. If you earn more yeah. than £50,268, you pay... 2% national insurance. On the uh, stuff above it. And that yeah. is terrible. It is a, it's like a regressive tax. It, it is taking more from the, from the people who, who have less, even like if you just take it directly from the percentages. But then you look deeper and you think about how much more that one point something percent means to somebody who is already giving off most of the money they can afford to. Correct. And is already living month to month scrounging those last few pounds compared to somebody who already has the means to afford a little bit extra yeah. and a lavish holiday every now and then just having a slightly less lavish holiday because of this tax. Um, okay, j- just um, just before we go any further, a, a couple of questions uh, for you. The first one is, why have the Conservatives decided to go for this, as you say, essentially the middle class, but also the, the lowest yeah. tax earners too, Rather than, I mean, this is a, a, a slightly obvious question, yeah. rather than the richest of the rich who, as you say, £12 billion a year, just tax a few companies or some uh, big boys properly, and there's your, your gap filled. Yeah, um, we, we know why. They know that they're, they're just taxing the people who are the least likely to give them the votes they need to win the next election. Okay. Um, but within that group, there is a whole bunch of people who are self-sabotaging every election, and they're not going to stop self-sabotaging because of this tax raise. So yes, this tax raise will hit some conservative voting people who are earning 50 to 80k, or some conservative voting people who are earning 24,000 to 50,000, right? Uh, But those people, if they are already voting conservative, I doubt this is going to swing their vote the other way. They're voting based on hate rather than based on what's good for the nation already. Yep. And this will not this will not change their mind. Um, but I guess the Conservatives just ran out of public things to gut and to give less funding to and realised that yeah. they can't just keep doing austerity and they're going to have to start taking money from us who can't afford it while still doing austerity. So a couple more stats for you. This means the average 25-year-old will pay an extra 12 and a half grand over their working lives from this uh, rise in national insurance uh, compared to to nothing 
for a pensioner who's currently relying on pension income. And the Joseph Rowntree Foundation, who are the leading figure in terms of these sorts of think tanks, say that around 2 million families across the UK on low incomes yeah. who are facing also the imminent cuts to to benefits will also now have to pay £100 more exactly. in national insurance contributions. So... It is just this uh, continued, uh, like it is an attack at this point, a continued attack on on people on the lower end of the scale to prop up the unfair system that has been in place for the past several decades. The people who have prospered from unfairness are now happily sitting on that unfairness and then we uh, are having to pay them to have their lives continue comfortably. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one more chance to add anything further here. I feel we've covered most of the ground, but ultimately it is... It was the most unsurprising move when it did actually come through when I saw the the headlines about it. There were a few people abstaining, but ultimately the NHS or, or anything in a similar line is at this point in desperate need of reform mm-hmm. and just chucking money down a bottomless pit of something with an NHS badge on it is not the solution, but neither is yeah. getting people who are in some cases, as, you're, as you've said, really struggling to even make ends meet right now and taxing them is, is absolutely the wrong thing to be doing. Yeah, and the Tories want us to think that this is the NHS's fault, that they are just this monolith who, who we can't afford and blah, yep. blah, blah, so that then they can convince us to privatise this. So this kind of tax is another tool in that um, system so that they can try and convince people to to allow them to dismantle the NHS and privatise it. And it will inevitably cost us even more when they manage to do that. But like, I'm glad they've recognised that they need to raise taxes. It sucks that they're doing it to the one that is the least equitable or the least helpful for the poor and for the uh, people who are struggling with the income they have. Um, I do wish that they would target more people who can afford it and businesses who can afford it. And while there are elements of this tax that are paid for by business and there was business size of this, so I think they're also taxing dividends in some ways or another, it still is all encouraging the same unfairness to continue. And they need to they need to stop because this is a, a system that will fail. The way that the, the, the Tories are running things is going to crash. And I think they're all just hoping that they're retired or dead by the time it does. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about COVID. And starting with this headline figure, the COVID infection rate in Scotland is uh, certainly at the weekend at its highest level since the start of estimates being recorded with around one in 45 people thought to have had COVID in the last week, which is Mm -hmm. mad. The latest uh, Office for National Statistics Figures estimated around 120,000 people had COVID in the week ending the 3rd of September. It's the highest rate of any of the UK nations, the most ever recorded. And if you look now at the regions in Scotland or across Scotland, we are in the top 20, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 of the top 20 places in Europe with COVID are in Scotland. Yes, however, I will say for the regional maps, Scotland does actually have its regions broken down into smaller chunks than some other countries. Okay. Um, So our cities get their own chunks, whereas in other countries, there are some places where the cities don't get their own chunk, and it's the city and the surrounding area. So those regional things are a little bit biased against us. 
but yeah, uh, we're still <laughs> we're still not doing well. We've plateaued um, at this at this relatively scary infection rate. A bunch of the young folks are getting infected, but again, uh, we're seeing an increase um, in the older the older age groups. So even the eighty five plus age group has had uh, increasing cases from um, like low low tens to over two hundred um, per per week, which is not good, especially if. 100% of those are supposed to be vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, The numbers are kind of upsetting To as soon as you start digging into them. But what do you do? I, I don't know what, what, what is to be done about well, this, but keep riding it out because the world has just decided that we've got to ride it out and that sucks. Well, well, let's, we'll talk about the, the younger people issue in a second because that, uh, as of Monday evening, is very much the story of the moment. But before we get there... Uh, the other headline news today was that more than 300,000 people who arrived in England and Northern Ireland over the summer are suspected to have broken quarantine rules. Wow. So more than 300,000 cases were passed to investigators up until the end of May. The government were unable to say how many were found to have uh, factually broken the rules or also could not be traced. So... This, James, I think, is a reflection of the fact that the border policy was just not going to work because how do you follow up with literally thousands of people? Okay, sure, it might be a fraction of what they uh, had had expected or what they wanted. It's still a lot of people. No, yeah, they made rules that they couldn't even hope to enforce. They were hoping that by having some public examples of people having the rule enforced them that that would make everybody else just behave. But that's not going to work. You can't make rules like this when there are options like closing the border <laughs> yeah, or okay. not allowing travel like that. So let's get into the two meteor subjects about COVID this week. The first one is about vaccine passports, which Scotland, as we talked about last week, are sticking with plans of introducing, whereas as of Sunday, yeah. the health secretary, Sajid Javid, confirmed that in England... This would not be happening. Right. So people who want to get into nightclubs and large events can just do as they please. Sunshine on in. In Scotland, the, the criticism has come mainly from the bigger venues and in particularly sporting venues. Who's, uh, it was Neil Doncaster, who's the head of the uh, Scottish Premiership Football League, something like that. He uh, yeah, complained. Yeah. Spiffle. And said, Spiffle, absolutely. And he, he complained and said, look, how on earth are you meant to scan or find or check the vaccine passports of 60,000 people arriving at Celtic Park with 15 minutes before a game? And that is how a, do they uh, check the tickets? It's a valid one. Well, the tickets, they just do themselves. They just go boop and then you go through the turnstile and you go, and you go in. Right. So we should have a boop system for the passports is what I'm saying. It can be boop and it can be boop boop. Which is where the Scottish government are yet to confirm how's this going to work exactly uh, and even the fact that Hamza Yusuf in this interview with the BBC said they were still working on a definition of a nightclub ah. which is a, a head scratcher for me I didn't understand that at all well yeah maybe maybe for them they, they they're trying to consider that people of different um, like work shifts might treat the daytime like a night so maybe <laughs> maybe if you're in the night shift then you go to the club in the, in the afternoon, maybe there is a nightclub for you. Ultimately, though, and we'll talk about the the difference in the approaches between Scotland and England in a second. My concern, or rather, I would be more concerned about going to a busy Tesco, which literally thousands of people have been in and out of yep. in the space of a, a a day, in comparison to say the two hundred and fifty that the the garage can hold. 
So well, yeah, I mean that, that's where I'm I'm less convinced as to the uh, the vaccine passwords. Now I I agree. As I said last week, I am totally on board with. Hey, look, if it means I get in and it means that everyone else in here is double vaxxed, great. I'm happy to do that. Yeah. But if yeah. we're doing it for nightclubs, if we're doing it for pubs, then why aren't we doing it for other places where there are far greater numbers of people going in and out? Yeah, the, 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 there are like questionable decisions in terms of defining who needs the passports and I think it is just a case of uh, capitalistic needs getting in the way of making sensible regular decisions across the board and um, it might be harder to convince certain larger sectors to to take a little bit of a sacrificial move and, and enforce vaccine uh, passports right. whereas other smaller sectors like the nightclub sector it's a little bit easier to steamroll them so there is that element to it but also it is a lot easier to socially distance at Tesco than it is uh, at a packed out nightclub dance floor. Also true. So, so th- like there, there's a balance to it, and my main concern is just that it's another case of um, we're hoping for the magical tech solution, and we haven't actually made it yet. It's it's similar to the the Brexit border crisis, where it's like, well, how are we going to solve all these problems? Technology. So, well, how are we going to enforce the vaccine passports? Technology. It's like, well, make the tech before you say that. They haven't. They've got to make it. But still, it's better than just uh, doing nothing. Right. Which is what other countries are doing. I agree. I don't believe for a second the vaccine passports are the way out of this uh, permanently. So where do you see the difference between the Scottish government's decision, which is we're doing this, we're pressing on with it, versus the English decision, which is, uh, in the words of Mr. Javid, we shouldn't be doing things for the sake of it? Well, I think they just know their voter base. And they know their backbenchers and how uh, inconsistent they are with what they consider to be freedom. And it's like freedom is defined as things that inconvenience everybody except the Tory. Okay. So freedom to freedom for them is freedom to have anybody else stopped and searched in the streets of London, right? Freedom to them is to have um, people's people's wealth mean. Uh, they have access to different levels of different things. That's their kinds of freedom. But as soon as it's something universal, like you need a, you need to have your vaccines to go places, that's not freedom anymore because it affects them as well. Um, and Javid knows that and Boris knows that and they know they don't have the votes if they try to go against that um, false label of what freedom is and the false label of what discrimination is. Because I'm seeing it as well. People, A lot of people are trying to say that we're discriminating against the unvaccinated. Impossible. Because you can choose to be vaccinated. And that, that, that is a key part of discrimination and stuff like that, is the ability to opt in and out of the group yourself. Yeah. The ability to be those things. Um, so, But, but the, those messages are just lost when it comes to uh, right-wing populist parties. So what can we hope? The, the final COVID story for this uh, this episode is the decision which has been announced as of an hour ago. Sorry, a recommendation, I should say. Yeah. That healthy children aged between 12 and 15 should be offered one dose of a vaccine, yeah. according to All the right. UK's chief medical officers. Now, this is uh, it goes against what the government's own vaccine committee said last week, yes. who said there wasn't enough benefits to warrant it on health grounds, but that uh, ministers could take into account other factors. Whereas now these uh, chief medical officers say that this would tip the balance, given that the virus is going to keep spreading over the winter, and that this uh, decision exactly, yeah. to vaccinate uh, these children would continue to 
to, um, or rather if they failed to, it would continue to cause disruption to face-to-face school education. Yeah. And that, to be fair, I can see entirely the benefit. But does that outweigh the risks? Well, well yeah. That's where the government will say, well, actually, you know what? No. I don't think I don't think it's risk for them. I think it's cost. I don't think they think there's a risk to vaccinating people necessarily. There's less risk to vaccinating them than there is to not vaccinating them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for them, it's just cost. They don't want to 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 decide that it's worth doing it if it's going to cost them too much money. Um, but in my opinion, we've got to dodge long COVID too. And long COVID, uh, even if you're double vaxxed, in some instances, you've only got like 50% extra resistance to. So you can still, with double vaccine, get the virus and then get stuck with long COVID afterwards. So it's why even though I've got two vaccines now, I'm still going to keep being as safe as possible until uh, we, we can have a more effective solution to long COVID. And, Long COVID, I'm sure, is if, is a thing that the younger generations are going to have to worry about too. So if, if we can reduce their chances of suffering with it, I'm all for it. And if England and Wales can learn lessons from the experience of the Scottish schools opening, good. We've made mistakes here. Um, but someone has to has to go first and make those mistakes. We haven't talked about any of the COVID stuff to do with America. They've got sweeping vaccine mandates for federal workers and for like the military. And uh, there's lawsuits going on in southern states for their freedom to have no vaccine mandates and stuff like that. And schools are getting in trouble for having mask mandates. And America, the United States of America is being as dramatic as you would expect it to be. Um, because they've managed to out-politicize even us when it comes to this stuff. It's impressive. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay, James, let's uh, take a sharp handbrake turn into something lighter and talk about what we've been watching this week before we get into a couple of big trailers, one for the new Matrix sequel and uh, a new Marvel TV show. So, James, I have, I'm going to say two things I would like to review and then the third one I would just like to mention. I got... Uh, What about you? uh, uh, An anime and a film. Okay, right. Well, in that case, uh, how about you go first? Anime or film? Well, let me ask you about Minari, because I'm Ah. really interested in that. It's a a movie which I believe is on Amazon Prime? Uh, I watched it on Now. Okay, Now TV then. Which I have for Now. It did did, uh, rather well on the awards circuit last year. So tell me, what did you think? Yep, plenty nominations, and every single one of them deserved and more. Um... This this was such a good film. I enjoyed every minute of it. I, I I had a plan to like watch some of it and then pause and eat my lunch and then come back and watch the rest. I forgot to pause. Nice. Um, and I only realized at the end of the film that I was really really hungry. Um, the story is not overly huge. It is a f- a story about a family doing stuff and just trying to trying to make it through a like a portion of their lives. And the effects that the decisions that each character is making have on the other characters. Uh, They've got an an unwell child to worry about. They've got money to worry about. Uh, They've uprooted their lives to try and uh, have a fresh start and be become more independent or just less dependent on like really bad factory work and stuff like that to survive. And we follow them as they do enter into a new environment um, and encounter like the local culture and the local church culture which they talk about okay um and on all sorts of different little things that are all really well done 
And I'm watching this from the perspective of a, a Scottish guy who's never really had to worry or worry or think about what it's like to be a Korean American, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and even then, I was immensely touched by the different points of the story, the, all the different things it's teaching us about uh, the experience of the family, which of obviously reflects the experience of so many families um, out, out with the film. Um, I can't imagine how much more meaningful a film like this is for people who have that history or who have overlapping stories or overlapping experiences. Um, the the filming was done with, I'm assuming, great patience because everything is just well executed. Uh, framing really well done. Uh, acting is wonderful from the whole cast, including the kids. Um, nice. And kid acting, you got to be a bit forgiving with, but with these, the kids in this one, I had to be less forgiving than usual. They were really good. Uh, grandma was incredible um, and was exactly what we you could expect from a role who, who won awards. And even the acting when it came to just the silent acting, this expression stuff, just posture stuff, and all those things that are really interesting was just so well executed. Um, it is really good to see films like this being made. Um, all the producers' names behind it, uh, they're, they're, they're putting money, their money to, to good work that I hope to see continue. Um, I highly recommend this film. The I would say the ending is probably unsatisfying if you're somebody who likes to have all the resolution right. slapped in your face. Okay. Um, it is... It is there. It, the film ends, and I think it ends really well, but that's because I'm a patient film watcher and I like to have thinking time afterwards. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I, I think if you can watch the whole of the film and get to the end, you're probably going to like it. That sounds excellent. And I would uh, very much like to watch it soon myself. I will let you know what I think of it. Yeah, I could I could say so much more, but I didn't take notes. <laughs> nice. Okay, James, I have a Disney film <laughs> and a Disney film. Which one would you like to hear? Mm, I love our Disney film. Okay, Disney film it is. This is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is Whoa. out in cinemas right now. It's otherwise known as the new Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. So, this uh, stars Simu Liu, Aquafina, Michelle Yeoh, and legendary actor Tony Leung, too as well is uh yeah. is Wen Wu the the main villain. Let me start with a with um my overall thought. I really really enjoyed this. Oh. So much more than I expected to. Excellent. And the trailers totally undersell this movie. And I would say and I I need to watch them back. I would say the majority of the things we saw in the trailer are from the opening Act the best trailers do this right. Everything else is kept for for the for the movie itself. Excellent. And whilst and I, I recall my recollection of of uh, reviewing said trailers on this show was very much one of uh, I was I was whelmed. I was whelmed by it. It was Marvel. Um, it was yeah. It was just a Marvel trailer. Yeah. Whereas you watch the film itself and you think, okay, I can see now. I understand now why they made the trailers the way they did. Because if they had gone with like clips from the whole movie, it would have spoiled. Okay. So much. Okay. So let me get get, get getting that out of the way first of all. Second of all. The villain in this, who's Tony Leung, if you've uh, if you're hearing of him for the first time, he's been in some of the most high-profile uh, Hong Kong yeah. and yeah. Southeast Asian films over the last thirty years. He's won so many awards. Yes. He is uh, he is Wen Wu, and he is an excellent Marvel villain. Good. There we go. Oh. so much of it 
is in the fact that he is, oh, first of all, a great caliber actor. Yeah. But he has an excellent story. Right. He's the father of uh, Shang-Chi, mm-hmm. who it turns out my very white boy pronunciation, Shang-Chi, it's Shang. Okay. Shang-Chi. I'll still get it wrong. Uh, so the relationship between uh, between Wenwu and the lead character, uh, Shang, is father-son. Yes. Uh, and it's really difficult to get that wrong. And they, they do it really well. They do it really nicely. <laughs> At no point does he say mother. Or <laughs> well, a strange uncle. There is, uh, yeah, indeed. But there are, there are lots of nods to to kind of family ties. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A yeah. couple more points, just because I know uh, time, is, time is escaping us, as always. Yeah, it's fine. The action sequences, certainly in the early stages of this movie, are some of the best you will see in Marvel. Good. Because... They've actually gone to like a martial arts choreographer, oh, a stunt stunt team good. who who specify and are experts in this kind of stuff, and it's completely different to anything you'll have seen. It makes any... such a difference, right? And it it makes it feel certainly the first half makes it feel less like a Marvel film. But do you know the stuff yeah. that does make it feel like a Marvel film? All the terrible, tired jokes. The humor? Yes. Okay. It's just. But, but no, I, I don't uh, think just to just to jump in before we talk about the jokes. I don't think I've seen like a hand to hand like combat moment or a hand to hand choreography moment that has like uh, that I've enjoyed in a Marvel film since the Winter Soldier. Yep, that, that's that's fair. It's been that long. That's fair, and that's that's coming up to a decade. So yeah, yeah, the early action sequence is really really nice. As for the acting, Aquafina, who is the kind of the sidekick, she steals the show. I thought she was great. And Simu Liu, who has really done very little up until this point in terms of acting. Yeah. Uh, he's great. I think he is absolutely perfect for this position. And the post credit scene of this movie Ooh. really shows you they are all in. On Shang Chi, like he is now established, he is absolutely in there. Good, he's in he's in the Marvel home. Excellent. And uh, the post the, the post credit scene with uh, the characters who are in that, which I will avoid saying. Uh, Thank you. Are very much as it's. Uh, oh, oh, okay, all right. This is fair enough. Sounds great. Sign me up. We're gearing up, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, like that a lot. The one major criticism I would have, as I have with most Marvel mo- movies, is the final third, the, f- the final act just descends into the classic overly CGI'd here's big bad monster blah 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 we gotta go big gotta go grey and in classic and here's the other thing I didn't like do you know that way that Captain Marvel with its um, because it's introducing a new character to an audience and they have to give them the, the character beats and here's the story they've gone through and they've gone through all this hardship and heartbreak and at the very end just when it looks like they're going to lose montage here's a montage of all the stuff she's been no, through they didn't do another montage they did another montage oh stop it and it's just and the thing is like, I hate that stuff I've got a memory yeah. <laughs> like why do all films assume I don't have a brain it's for the same reasons that you've just expressed I really dislike it because we've sat through this we know all the hard things they've been through and of course there's going to be that moment I didn't even leave the room I've been here the whole time <laughs> exactly like you you know what this character has been through you do not need the visual reminder of the same scene that you've already watched or been reminded of three times and it does exactly the same thing as we saw in Captain Marvel with that hey right. here's just let's just recap for those of you who weren't paying attention this is an important moment I hate it I hate that stuff so 
much. It does. It happens in TV all the time as well, and it feels a little bit more justified. But I can't enjoy it. I've never enjoyed it. Yeah. So it does kind of fall apart. We're well, not fall apart, but it falls into Marvel cliched final act at the end. Right. But right, it's right, not right, right. enough to detract from what is a very fun movie. I did like it a lot. So I would recommend if you are looking for something new, Shang-Chi will be in cinemas for a long time. Uh Uh, So go and watch that. I'll I'll probably, I'll I'll see it as soon as it's on whatever. um, Disney. Which I believe will be before the end of the year. All right. Okay, James, hit me with uh, your anime before I hit you with my other Disney film. I started this show a long time ago. Is it called The Show? No, it's called the Tatami Galaxy or the Tatami Galaxy or oh. some good pronunciation of such words. It's like Tatami is like the flooring panels in like nice classic Japanese rooms. You might know you might know it. Um anyway, uh I started this show a long time ago. And then I did the thing where I kind of started reaching the end and I was like, I don't want to finish this yet. I'm liking it too much. And then I shelved it for so long. Nice. And then eventually I finished it. Um I do that quite a lot and I don't know why. Um but it is a good sign. It means I'm enjoying the show because I don't want it to end because I want to avoid having that feeling of like, oh no, there's not any more of this. Um, I will start by saying I haven't taken notes because there's just too much to say about the show. So I'm hoping that my brain comes with the most important points and I don't forget anything really vital. Okay. This is a show that can only be done in anime form. And I mean anime, not animated form. It bounces between art styles so smoothly and so well and uses them to ground the story so well that I can't imagine any other medium doing a show like this. Uh, It is an absolute work of art, one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, However, do not watch this show until you're very good at keeping up with fast-paced subtitles and not getting angry at that. The dialogue is so anxiety-inducing. Anxiety it is so fast. Um, and I took I, every time I was watching it, I took a little second to catch up with the pace of the show. They just blast through the dialogue. And again, that's all okay. for reasons. They're doing it all um, for legitimate story-grounding reasons. Uh, the character designs are all done for story-grounding reasons. The character, okay. the character color choices are done for story-grounding reasons. There are so many little things that this, that this show does to establish things that pay off in the last episode. Um, and it all comes together really, really well uh, in episodes, uh, the second to last and the final episodes. Um, the second to last episode being um, poetic, incredibly good. Um, now, the whole show, uh, without really spoiling it, is based around uh, a college student trying to have the perfect college experience, the perfect college life. So, like, trying out different clubs to find out what the dream you know, life is. Um, and the general uh, friendships and relationships that are formed in that uh, journey. But they don't focus on, like, just letting the dude get the girl at the end and that being what the whole thing was about. It's it's about deeper things than that, like finding self or finding that you have a lack of self. And um, like many good shows that are in anime form or many good anime shows... Um, they have an overall very basic theme that they are going to really well execute with other themes as well. They don't try to touch on too many topics all at once. They just go, right. here's what we're going to teach you about, and here's how. Enjoy it. And every single episode was great. All the different parts that tie each episode to each other was, were great. The times that they, they broke their animation style just for a story reason was, were great. 
there are so many things about this show that I could talk about it for to somebody else who has seen it, of course, for days and still enjoy talking about it. I read so many reviews about it because I wanted to hear what other people thought. Nice. To see what they noticed that I didn't. And it's a show that I'm looking forward to re-watching and re-experiencing. Um, and I, I highly recommend that you go watch like the intro. You could look up the Tatami Galaxy intro. Um, it doesn't really give you too much spoilers in terms of uh, art style even, or characters even, but it gives you a feel for like, they care more about the actual arty, arty expression they did about execution. This is a very janky show as well, and it's just janky. so delightful. That sounds great, um, particularly if you, you do find something which is, is a show that you're so passionate about, you actively go and seek out other people you are writing about it. I, I was reading for the rest of the day. It was one of those. Like, I was thinking about this show for the rest of nice. the day. And then probably dreamed about it, but I never remember my dreams. Unless they're very scary. Well, dear listener, if you have uh, had a scary dream, or if you've watched a great TV show, a movie, or even one that was really terrible, which I'm going to talk about in a second, you can send it to us, seesawparade at gmail.com, either in written form or even better, audio form. We'll play it. On this podcast. But yeah, to, to reiterate, do not watch the Tatami Galaxy until you've watched many other anime. Because it is not entry level. <laughs> you will not keep up. Great. Okay, well one that is entry level is uh, my second movie, which is Cruella. Which is on Disney Plus right now. So this stars Emma Stone. Oh yeah. My cousin. Oh yeah. As the uh, titular character as well as the fabulous Emma Thompson mm-hmm. as well as uh, Paul Walter Hauser who you'll recognize from everything and uh, Joel Fry also in supporting roles. So this is an absolute puzzler of a movie. And not just because we didn't even need a Cruella Deville origin story. Yeah. But for me, it's the way this film is constructed. So let me just share a couple of insights, right? So for anyone, for you, dear listener, as a viewer, to dislike any movie, it usually takes multiple factors to uh, come together or converge over several minutes or scenes. Mm -hmm. So, for example, a bad script, implausible or or dull story, poor acting, bad dialogue, iffy directing, disconcerting editing, bad CGI, you know, the list goes on. Yes. It is so rare that one single moment in a film can turn you off instantly. Oh, no. But that is exactly what happened with me watching Cruella. And I'll be so interested if someone else has seen this movie and is able to pinpoint exactly what I'm talking about. So That's such a shame. Avoiding all all spoilers as as, as to what that is, let me start with what I was enjoying about this movie, and it is predominantly the two Emmas. Stone and Thompson. Anytime either or both of them are on screen, it is a riot. It's bold, brashy, it's full of mainly zippy one-liners, a few clonkers in there too, and the two of them are clearly just having the best time being Cruella Deville and uh, Cruella's rival or arch nemesis in this movie. So and adding to my enjoyment is the this is something which I was surprised at. The costume and the production design, oh, it really good. does stand out. So the movie is set in the uh, 60s and 70s, and the crew behind the scenes of Cruella, which includes some Oscar winners, uh, Jenny Bevan being one of them, yeah, yeah. they're clearly having just a, a great time putting together these astonishing outfits in some cases. Ones which um, 
ones which were clearly made. Like, there's maybe one or two which you can see are, are CGI, but there's a couple in particular which you think, wow, how on earth did you make that? That's, a, right. that's incredible. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm, I'm almost certain, this will get some nominations for those particular aspects. But okay. this movie is it's building up ahead of steam. You can kind of see where it's going, but you're yet to figure out. Oh, Mark Strong's in this too. I like Mark Strong a lot. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> sorry, Marky. It's building up. He's sorry. A tangent. He's another character who just plays himself in every single movie <laughs> I've ever seen him. He just might as well just have his, his name as the character name. Right. Just just in certain films, he's just a bit angrier. Actually, I think I'd like that if certain actors just always acted themselves including their own name and they were just <laughs> they were just in a film yeah so mark strong sorry it's just because he is literally just mark strong in this movie he, did, he doesn't do anything other than just be himself <laughs> so cruella is like building up ahead of steam you can see roughly where it's going but you're yet to figure out exactly how and then they get to the how right of the the big final act and i'm telling you i'll, I'll be honest I was quite enjoying the movie, mm-hmm. and then they get to the big reveal. Here's how they did it, and it is the most gobsmackingly awful plot decision because oh, everything no. up until that point has been somewhat plausible, right? And then out of nowhere, they just take this random, stupid explanation as to why Cruella got away with something, and then they show it to you, they give you the visual, and at that point I just went, what? No. I was like, no, I'm out. I'm totally out. And it's it's so rare that a movie can do that, and I I was almost impressed that in the space of a a five-second cutaway to show you what Cruella did... It it just ended the movie for me. I was like, no, nah, I'm done. I'm out. Oh no, I can't. I can't take this seriously anymore. Oh dear. And what made it worse is the film's getting a sequel. Ah, um, well, that means it made money. Well done, team. I hope you all get paid good. So it's it's on Disney Plus. It was originally for a thirty quid uh, bonus, but now it is free if you have a Disney Plus um, login. I, I'm probably going to watch it out of like morbid curiosity. You should. And and the thing is, like Emma Stone and Emma Thompson are great. They are really great. And sorry, and one more person to, to add, Paul Waterhauser. Look him up. He is as American as they get. He is doing a, a Cockney accent in this movie. He's fantastic. He's really, really good. And most of the reviews were actually singled him out as being like, this guy is great. I didn't even realize he was American. But uh, yeah, it's stunning in how bad one... Oh, no. Just one decision... In the, you know, putting the film together. Can't believe Made it. the film. But yeah, it turns out lots of people watched it. Emma and the Emmas clearly had fun. And so they are finding a way to bring them both back together for a sequel. Another one. To the prequel being 101 Dalmatians. So. Um, right. Well, wow. Here we go. Yeah, I'm probably going to watch it out of curiosity. Now I've got, I got some things I probably forgot. Um, oh. Colin, I, I watched, I watched Wonder Woman, the second one. Oh, you! Oh, you didn't tell me. You said you. Did you he, said, you said, hey, tell me when you're gonna watch it, and I'll watch it too. Yeah, no, I said you tell me when you're gonna watch it, and I'll watch it too. And then I watched it, um, <laughs> assuming that you had watched it and forgotten to tell me. No, I was just like, oh, I'm too busy this week. I'll message James. Yeah, next okay. Week. So, yeah, I, I have seen it, so you can watch it anytime. I'm right, ready to okay, review I'm gonna, it. Uh, fantastic. I will watch it this week, and we'll discuss it next week. The, the other thing that I'm just maybe forgetting, but I'm not sure. Have I talked about having watched the second Zombieland film? I think we did. 
I certainly did. I don't know if you did. I'll have to look it up. I watched it pretty recently, and then I, I think I forgot to review okay. it. Um, so I'll put that in the backlog. Okay. We'll get to that maybe someday. We'll get to that, yeah. But write some notes whilst it's fresh. The only other thing I, I had watched, which I'm only going to give a, a couple sentences to, because it's been out for the best part of 20 years, is I finally watched The Matrix, because... Hey, well done. A trailer for The Matrix 4 is out this week. Yeah. So uh, before we play the trailer... I, for some reason, had this notion that The Matrix was a really complicated film. I have no idea where I got that notion from. I think it's because just over the years, you know, every so often ITV 2 or 3 or 4 will show The Matrix. Right. I had walked in to to the film midway being shown right. on maybe half a dozen occasions and didn't really know what was going on and I think for that Confused reason every time. yeah and for that reason just left it but we watched it myself and Graham watched it for the first time really enjoyed it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can completely see why this is held up as one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time it is an excellent movie it's well acted it's kind of rudimentary in terms of plot but hey ho the the CGI and the stuff that they were doing with the special effects at the time were groundbreaking, and I yeah, they c- changed cinema. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's amazing and should should still be applauded. It still stands up today. Things look great. Yes, it's a good film. I enjoyed it, and uh, that brings us on to the trailer for Matrix Resurrections. Here we go. Yes, Thomas, you seem particularly triggered right now. Can you tell me what happened? I've had dreams that weren't just dreams. Am I crazy? We don't use that word in here. The only thing that matters to you is still here. I know it's why you're still fighting and why you will never give up. You don't know me. No? Okay, James, I have thoughts on this. I liked the music. (laughs) Nice. Any other thoughts from yourself before I fire in? My big thought for the majority of the trailer was this looks like a fan film. Um... And then not a, a fan film that didn't have a big budget. And then the follow-up thought is, but was that deliberate? Are they trying to make it look like a bit of a fan film because of the way the Matrix works with its two different levels of existence? Maybe the upper level of existence looks cheesy, glowy fan film-esque and they're going to have a more grounded reality as well. And that's the only thing I'm curious about, really, is why it looked so... so uh, low budget I have on the surface I have a total of four thoughts just in my daily life right uh, the f- I, I got a forethought about those that they're gonna be good okay first one I thought the trailer was fine yeah but that also having said what I said about Shang-Chi may well be just saving all its best bits for the movie itself and that's fine that's what I'm hoping that's what I'm hoping second thought Yahya Abdul-Mateen II mm-hmm. is now playing the role of Morpheus, which was previously played by Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. and It turns out this he was not asked. Lawrence Fishburne apparently was not asked to come back. Yeah, which didn't surprise me, actually. Okay, well, you can explain why in just a second, but this is now yeah. the same character, but being played by a much, much younger actor, Indeed. which may well have something to do with the story. Maybe. Maybe I just had maybe I just had three thoughts. Maybe it was four. I can't remember. Third thought was, oh, here we go. This is what I. Uh, this is the when it gets really deep. There is a moment in the trailer uh-huh. where shots of the original film yes are being played on a projector yes behind the action yep 
And I just thought, hold but hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. They're it's, going for something. Right, 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 right. And I just cannot for the life of me figure out what what they're going for. So what they're just but gonna that's, say that's that, good. Wait, great. I, I completely agree. Yeah. So they're saying that the original Matrix was a film about that which was filmed inside the matrix which they're now showing don't know and then the, don't the know. comment and that's 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 so that's really cool okay so you're on the side of it's really cool rather than it's really confusing i i'm on the side that like watching a trailer and then having parts of the trailer that i don't understand is a good thing that's fair and it shows that the film had some ambition behind it it wasn't just hey we can get money if we cast keanu reeves again which it also was that but <laughs> they mean, actually yeah. They actually have tried to like work with that and make an interesting film, I think. Because I do believe in the Wachowskis. Even though two and three, the second and third Matrix films, were um, poorly executed. Right. Um, I, I, they are great filmmakers. Right, but this film is only from Lana Wachowski, as opposed to, as opposed to yes, both of them. Yes, indeed, yes, yes. My fi- yes. I did have a final thought, I remember it now. And uh, it, it was partly based on your point there about uh, Keanu Reeves now being a, a big old movie star... And saying, hey, actually, we can make some more money out of this. Let's get him in something. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. having now seen the original Matrix and how groundbreaking it was, yeah, I think they have, they're going to have to do, or they will have had to consider, what is something new that we can do that is yeah. groundbreaking and really earth-shattering? Because exactly. we saw some of the kind of old-school stuff in the trailer, like Keanu Reeves stopping bullets, which in 1999... Was was really groundbreaking stuff. That sort of technology, bullet time, is what they called it. Yeah. So I think they're going to have to pull some sort of rabbit out of a hat because people are going to be expecting it. Ooh, rabbit, you say? I'll follow that. Nice. I totally meant to do that. <laughs> yeah, like I think they're like as I said, the most interesting thing for me is just like like the overall. What are they doing here? Are they just like? Are they if like? If they actually have a reason that the film looks a bit cheap and fan filmy for the majority of the trailer, it's probably a well-done film. And if they don't, it will be a cash grab. That's my overall, it, depending on which side of the coin this question lands on, I think the rest of the film will follow. But they are leaving me with a lot of questions. Like they, they, There's a lot of... And I don't want to try and spoil, spoil the whole trilogy, um, but there is a lot of elements of this film that ties into the story of the original trilogy and does make this a direct follow-up rather than a reboot. There's a lot of people saying that maybe this is a soft reboot, but no, uh, it does actually look like a follow-up. And one of the big things, and this is, I hope, not too big of a spoiler. If it is, then bleep it out or something, is that a lot of the story of The Matrix um, was actually told to us in video game after the films. Oh, okay. So they've released... three games since the films that had that followed the same storyline and were canon in one of those games um Lawrence Fishburne's um Morpheus dies oh we know that the plot of the the plot point for Neo in one of those games is that he they, they don't know where he is the machines have him so this film does look like it follows up from the the story established not only by the original trilogy but also by the games, which are far less well known. Interesting. So they're going to have to work pretty hard to work it all in to make this film make sense to people. And um, but there was a lot of there's a lot of theory you could get into because there's a lot of depth in these stories, and it's just not enough time for for us to do that. Well, that will be our spin-off show, Cease Operate, The Matrix. Enters the Matrix. Matrix theory. Red-pilled. 
Oh, don't. It's such a shame. <laughs> that It is such a shame. It's been hijacked. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about another trailer. Came out today, uh, being Monday. It is the first trailer for Hawkeye, the new... The Christmas special. ...Marvel TV show. Here's a clip. This is the first Christmas we've had together in years. I love you guys. I'm making up for some lost time. Authorities are wondering if the masked vigilante who terrorized the city's underworld is back. The past has caught up with me. Should we be worried? No, no, it's nothing. I'll be home for Christmas. I promise. James, this trailer really surprised me. What did you think? It surprised me too. Um, and I think in a good way. Okay. But I'll let you go first. <laughs> so here's my thought. Hawkeye, as we've talked about on the show for years, was for a long time given short shrift mm -hmm. in the uh, Marvel Universe. If you recall, he's introduced in Thor in an eight-minute cameo. He is used as like a bad guy puppet mm -hmm. in the first Avengers movie. And then I think the writers clearly felt bad and were like, right, we need to do something with him yeah. in the second one. And they give him a much heftier arc. He actually gets to be the story. And, yeah, and he's actually his family's introduced uh, at that point. Yes. So... By the end of his uh, his run, by the end of the the final end game, he is a much more fleshed out character. But he is a much darker character, yes, than the one that we first met. So, on the back of all that, having just you know, if you if you watched Endgame, you know what I'm talking about. On the back of all this, I figured if they're going to do a Hawkeye TV show, it's going to go down his his dark roots uh, in in Tokyo, which were briefly established in in Endgame. And for the first half of this yes, trailer... what he did over the five years. For the first half of this trailer, I thought, okay, so far, so expected. And then suddenly, yes. it just becomes like a Santa goes superhero movie. <laughs> and it, it, it... Christmas comedy, the, the Marvel show. Right, right. And it, by the end of it, when he's like quipping like, oh, some Christmas this is... Like, what am I watching here? This is not this is yeah. not what I expected. And also not what I signed up for. Was there not a title card like the best gifts come with a bowl? Right. So so at that point I thought, okay, now we're into to real holiday season territory. And it's, we really jumped, yeah. So, so uh, just at that point, before I ask you for 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 your thoughts, this is double headed by Jeremy Renner obviously is Hawkeye, but Haley Steinfeld. Yes. Or St Stenfield who is one of my favourite actresses, has been in some of my favourite movies over the last few years, Edge of Seventeen being the standout. She's so good in that. She is used here, certainly the trailer, as just comedy, over-the-top, loud-mouthed girl. Yeah. Who's going to team up with Jeremy Renner and they're going to have a fun time falling into Christmas trees and, and baubles. And uh, all the while, Hawkeye's going to be pretending to his family, everything's fine, it's fine, there's there's nothing to worry about, I'll be home by Christmas. Indeed. And I'm sure there'll be some sort of contrived way that he flies home on a magical bow in time for Christmas. And I just he's gonna, I just don't have time for that, if that's where they're going. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna arrive via chimney. <laughs> you, know, you know what? We're going to come back to this at Christmas time, and you may well have predicted the ending. Yep. He gets dropped through a chimney. Yep. Okay, right, James, what did you think of the trailer? She'll, just to the next level, the, the, the double prediction here, she'll have developed a fancy techie arrow that is a Santa costume, and she'll fire the Santa <laughs> costume at him on the way down the chimney. Okay, maybe not that one, but uh, what did you think of the, the trailer then? 
Nah, it's much like my thoughts to regarding other Marvel shows. Having seen a few that I actually just enjoyed more than I expected, even though none of them have been like groundbreaking, it's nice just that they're doing something with a different feeling and a different genre almost. Okay. Even if it's not going to blow my mind and melt me away with how great the story is, it's at least going to feel different and it's at least going to be different. And I think when you're looking at trying to make Hawkeye into a TV show, you've got to go for something safe like this, very approachable for new fans. It is actually based off a comic book arc that people like, um, and it is embracing the kind of goofiness of that arc and the writer or right. the, and the artists and stuff like that. So this is one for the fans and for the, the newbies. Um, so I think it's going to be a winner, even if, and I would, I, like again, maybe they'll surprise me, even if it doesn't win any awards. Um, but it just looks like it should be fun to watch, and and I think right. more more of the time we can deal with that. I I can handle that if it's just on the nose fun, and I know it's going to be that. Whereas if they tried to sell us a serious gritty Hawkeye TV show, and then they gave us on the nose cheesy Christmas special, I'd be annoyed. So what I was expecting, as I've mentioned there, was Hawkeye to be some sort of neo noir, almost Blade Runner esque, yeah, escapade. And what we got, and I was kind of looking forward to that, right. But having just heard what you've said there, you're you're right in that Hawkeye, I would say, is arguably the only, well, WandaVision as well, the only property where they could pull off this sort of Christmas caper vibe. You know, you yes. can't have a, a Christmas caper with Winter Falcon and, and uh, or, sorry, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> Winter Falcon, Falcon and, Captain and a soldier. soldier. <laughs> But also, like, Loki, I mean, I'm sure they could have made it work, but this is one where you could say, okay, fair enough, Hawkeye's got a family, yeah. uh, we need to have a, a show that's kind of Christmassy, let's go for that. So, and it, and it, that it's, being it's, said, hold on, hold on, that being said, WandaVision surprised me, and I really enjoyed yeah. what they did for the first half of that season before it descended into just usual antics. Yes. And similarly, I did enjoy aspects of Loki, which were different yeah. to the usual fare before, of course, it descended into the usual fare. Yeah. So my thought, again, would be, if is if this gives me something different, which is good, I'll enjoy it. But if it's just different and it, I don't know, mishandles the characters, which I don't think it will, yeah. then I'll, I just won't. So we'll see. But I was very surprised by this. Yeah, and, and for me, it's going to be a show where they can't get the power balance wrong. I think that... WandaVision struggled with it. You're dealing with cosmic characters, really. Like, the most powerful witch in existence. Why on earth is she right. struggling in any fight? You're dealing with, in Loki, a literal god who is going and struggling in hand-to-hand combat against some people who are wearing blankets. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's going to be such a sin in this one. You're not going to get Hawkeye's power levels wrong because he is just a dude who shoots arrows good. Right. Because I remember, like, what was it? Loki struggled to punch some blanket wearing blue people and then he caught a building with his anti-gravity. It's like, <laughs> that's just criminal. Yeah, okay. Well, let's move on. One final story before we uh, finish with one final news section. This is the sad news that uh, the actor Michael K. Yes. Williams uh, died last week, the age of 54. 
Uh, he suspected that he died of a drug overdose. He was found at his home in New York. Best known for playing actors in Boardwalk Empire, in Lovecraft Country, 12 Years a Slave, Inherent Vice. Uh, he'd also been nominated uh, for Emmys for his work on The Night Off, as well as uh, a couple of other mm-hmm. uh, Ava Duvernay miniseries called When They See Us and a TV film called Bessie. Now, he is the kind of actor who you will you will recognize you look him up you'll say ah it's that guy yeah but for me his best role is of course as omar little in the wire absolutely which he is absolutely phenomenal in and i was reading some interviews and you know at the time he he admitted in these interviews he was struggling with his own drug addiction yeah which he felt almost gave his character an edge which i think he actually he hid from from everyone else and he felt like it gave his character an edge. And you, you watch him, and you watch him in anything. He was uh, just a brilliant actor in whatever he was given. And this, again, is just a, a really big loss to, to acting into movies and films and TV everywhere. Yeah, and um, that, that, that role that he played, uh, Omar, like, it, was, it was groundbreaking in, in many a sense because it is, as far as I am aware, one of the first times that there was... A, a gay villainous character we'll call him villainous but he's just a terrifying guy yeah and yeah it's not played for like comedy and it's not played for like he's a deviant and he's bad it's just he, a grounded character and i don't think that had been done and i don't think there are going to be similarly impactful roles again um and it is horrible to hear these stories um, whoever it is, whether it be a, um, an actor who has impacted many a, peop- many a person or if, if it's just someone's relative, when you hear about people who have been struggling with addictions and then that struggle is the thing that inevitably, or doesn't inevitably, that struggle is a thing that brings their life to a, um, an early close, it's heartbreaking because it is the people who struggle who are very susceptible to, to overdosing just because of the way the human body works. Um, and, and it really did break my heart. This one was, this one was uh, hurtful for a few days because I, I only recently watched that show and the character did have a huge impact on the way I see things um, in a lot of ways. And a lot of the, uh, the delivery he had of different lines and different interactions really set the show um, as the 10 out of 10 that it is. Okay, James, one final section before we wrap up a few uh, quickfire news stories here. Let's start with Emma Raducanu, the 18-year-old who's the first British woman in 44 years to win a Grand Slam singles title at 18. Didn't drop a single set the entire way through the tournament. The first qualifier to win a major title. I believe the youngest Briton to win a a Grand Slam. Wouldn't be surprising. Oh, just absolutely played out her skin. She beat uh, Leila Fernandez in the final. She only made her her kind of main roster debut yeah. in June, playing in only her second ever Grand Slam after she reached the uh, fourth round of Wimbledon earlier in the summer. Yeah, she's the youngest Briton ever and the youngest winner since uh, Maria Sharapova yeah. 17 years ago. I remember reading... Today or yesterday, that her goal for the tournament was to make enough prize money to replace her AirPods. 
that's I mean, if that ain't a life goal for all of us, then that would be achieved. Brilliant. I well believe done. she's taking home something like two million dollars in uh, prize money. So two and a half or something like that. That's yeah. enough AirPods to last your lifetime. But uh, just on in terms of we talked about Radicanu <laughs> like <three> before <laughs> three pairs. We talked about Radicanu before, particularly after Wimbledon, in which she she essentially had to withdraw. She retired from the, the tournament Indeed. because she had an anxiety attack on on court, and we had um, old white men, certain people, yeah. saying saying things about her, including the likes of Piers Morgan, Kevin Pearson, and John McEnroe, someone very famous for, of course, always handling his own court emotions very very well. Yes, yes, he definitely has his brain put on right. So. As far as I'm aware, Emma did not respond to any of them, which is the no. the right thing to do. But but James, Indeed. this this is as as big a middle finger as you could possibly give to any of these uh, these detractors. Yeah, and, and I hope that they feel great shame um, because this is the evidence that it, the emotional stuff matters. She did that, took care of her mental health, came back. And has now just blown everybody away. And now the whole media, every single talking head in the UK is very happy to claim her as like an icon of Britain. Yeah. Um, you know, this Canadian born um, individual to Romanian and Chinese parents. Correct. Uh, who, um, who moved here at the age of two. Um, so it, it's beautiful to me. Because I agree, she she obviously is this British icon, immediately cementing herself into uh, British sporting history and, of course, getting all the recognition for it and well-earned. And it's really nice that all of these talking heads who are so anti-immigration and who are so anti-the other are having to embrace her because it is the only thing that you can do. You Like, she has done so well and she is one of ours and we got everybody who was talking uh, trash having to i hope apologize and recognize that maybe mental health matters and maybe acceptance matters and maybe support matters and all of those things so well done okay well let's uh, move on let's talk about jenny godley who the 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 scottish comedian for those uh, of you who are unfamiliar comedian is a label indeed uh, she got famous or she her 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 profile was raised over the last 18 months after she began uh doing voiceovers over nicola sturgeon's daily covid briefings but anyway on the back of her newfound success and her large online following uh, she was Paid twelve grand by the Scottish government to front a new campaign called "Stop the Spike," Aye. encouraging face coverings and lateral flow testing. She has now been dropped after old tweets resurfaced. That old, yeah, that old number. Uh, so, by the looks of things, she made several comments between 2011 and 2017, many of which were about black performers, including Kelly Rowland, 50 Cent, and Snoop yeah. Dogg. And yeah. the tweets are, they're pretty bad. Pretty bad. I believe they are now down. They are now been, they've now been deleted. But, uh, yeah. Yep. A, a bad look, and she has now been chucked. Well, she's also had tasteless jokes and comments on her own podcast, which she... Um, I'm assuming hasn't been able to delete because I stumbled across them. Um, generally, as far as I'm aware, it is not seen as a shining beacon of light on the Scottish comedic circuit and generally isn't liked already. Uh, and this was seemingly just going to happen eventually. As soon as she had a profile, she'd said too many daft things that are deplorable 
to have it last a very long time. And you know what? She shouldn't have got the platform in the first place. Whoever does the uh, quality assurance for choosing who gets to represent the messages of the Scottish government probably hasn't got their job anymore and has been replaced um, because this one was obviously not the right call. Yeah, again, we, we're going over old ground here, but uh, it is the kind of thing that you'd think that in a, when a position of somewhat prominence in uh, in your various industries, you should probably check your old tweets and be like, right, I should get rid of some because things I said 10 years ago yeah. are no longer acceptable. But uh, apparently people just don't think about this. One of the things I heard on our podcast uh, was her saying, using, using slurs, um, and it was bad enough um, that even her co-host and probably daughter, I think, was yep. saying we don't say that. And she's just trying to laugh it off like it's just edgy humor. But it's the usual. Like, it's people who, who don't understand what humor is. She's another one of those. They don't get what a point of a joke is. They just think that shock is, is funny and that saying bad things is funny. Okay, penultimate story, uh, really taking it down a notch here. This is the US drone strike we talked about last week in which uh, it emerged, certainly the Pentagon said, they were targeting at least one person in a moving vehicle that they believed was uh, with ISIS. The news... um, Yes, they took down at least one terrorist, Colin. At At least least one. They killed a family of, what, 12 in the process? This investigation from the New York Times alleges that uh, the evidence has found that not a single person in that vehicle was actually an ISIS member. And so that then means, James, the US, I believe it was the last military strike in Afghanistan by American forces killed an innocent family who were driving. Yeah, so the story is that uh, an honestly good individual who worked for um, who worked for NGOs and stuff targeted malnutrition does all sorts of good work in the country uh, just drove home after collecting some water and his kids ran out to greet him as he drove in and the U.S. bombed him and his kids um, because he drove suspiciously and stopped off at some places. And if that, that doesn't paint a picture of how flawed our system of targeting individuals is, then I don't know what else does. It is shameful to not even achieve the least ambitious reasoning for, for a drone strike that has ever been stated. I, can't, I, I cannot process this. They couldn't even get one person because the the whole system is so incompetently set up that the US and all of its allies think that we should have the power just to chuck bombs at people because they drove places. There, there's no way that this is a fair system. And the, and this, uh, the people in charge had called it a, a righteous strike. I don't see how this doesn't lead to jobs getting lost and people in jail. Nope. Even this one thing, never mind the fact that this is what we've been doing for decades. Indeed. Well, talking of people not losing their jobs, let's finish up by talking about Home Secretary Shitty Chattel, who was branded a serial offender. Colin, we got to stop using that nickname. She's pretty corrupt. Okay. So, Sorry, Patel. Uh, Holmes, I, I, that's actually way better. So Home Secretary, pretty corrupt. Uh, yes, branded a serial offender last night over a secret meeting she held between a billionaire Tory donor and British Airways. So this uh, further alleged breach of the ministerial code. Let me remind you, dear listener, she has actually broken the ministerial code several times already. Yep. But uh, yes, this latest one, she is accused of arranging high-level talks at Heathrow's Hilton Garden Inn mm-hmm. without 
any officials from the Home Office present, as the rules dictate. And of course, this hotel is, of course, owned by one of Miss Patel's friends, uh, Surinder Aurora. So this is only a few weeks after Mr. Aurora declared that he needs all the help that we can get from government. Oh yeah, no, uh, yeah. After this, uh, the 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 fall in COVID-related bookings. So yep. uh, yeah, there have been calls for an investigation into this. But um, I'm going to say, James, nothing happens. Oh, what? What? No, no. That's a very ambitious uh, presumption. Like the <laughs> Tory government brings everybody to the justice they deserve, including their own. Okay. Of course, there's going to be a harsh reprimand along the lines of. Uh, we've investigated the situation and we consider the case closed. <laughs> so, it, being real, that's pretty good actually. Uh, being real, what what happens here? Uh, headlines move on in, in a day. Um, Boris probably doesn't even actually say anything about it because it's happened before. Um, they might actually just copy the letter they used the first time and just change the date for all I care. Um, this is another person who needs to be out of their job. They need to have no power in the country, um, but they're going to keep getting power because they're saying yes to the right people. And that is the only thing they're good at, is saying yes to the right people. In this case, Boris and the rest of the, co- and the, rest of the bunch. It's the same as always. Uh, anybody else doing this kind of thing in any other party, it would be headlines for, for, for days, for weeks. But because it's the Tories, it will blow over. And that, dear listener, is where we end the show. Thank you very much for your ears. And thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch and say something, if you want to disagree, agree, give your own opinion on anything we've talked about, you can do at Seesaw Parade on Twitter or message either of us directly or just write to us, seesawparade at gmail.com and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Okay, James, I've heard uh, Zelda meowing in the background, so you should probably attend to her needs. Well, her dinner's in an hour, but she's hungry now. (laughs) Okay. Great. Well, you both go and enjoy dinner together. Oh, oh, this is a good idea. Okay. Good chat. See you next time. No, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Colin. You carry hard. (laughs) Bye. It's always hard. When I'm around?